filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster great place when you have small children museums no they will bite things and lick things i don't know we had a we had a good time at the museum this weekend okay playgrounds okay playgrounds are good playgrounds are good uh breweries no, small breweries with large tap rooms with like tailgate games in them those are good for kids those are good also larger breweries that also have many places to, for children to run around are also good but that's not even what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about today is zoos. And specifically to me, the Metro Richmond Zoo. I had never been to the Metro Richmond Zoo before. Uh, it being Richmond, I thought it was going to be kind of podunky, especially since it is 45 minutes out from the center of the city. It's not actually Richmond. It's Metro Richmond. That's what yeah, exactly. That's why it's called the Metro Richmond Zoo. I had no idea there was a Metro Richmond. Come on, there is a Metro Richmond. Okay. There's a Metro Evansville, Indiana. There's Metro Cincinnati. Yeah. Cincinnati's bigger than Richmond. How many more cities are you going to list? There's Metro Crofton. No, there's not. That is is a lie. (laughs) That's like saying Metro Delaware. No. There is a Metro Crofton. It's Gambrels. Which one? Gambrels is a fiction. Both Gambrels. Can we get a clarification on the plural of Gambrels? No, <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> I will not take part in this but charade. No, I will not acknowledge. It, it, I, it's like um, if you've ever heard of the quasi-independent non-country called Sealand in the English Channel. Um, at one point, a French court sort of acknowledged a. Th- they, they didn't decide in their favor, but they sort of acknowledged that the, they had to uh, uh, grapple with a decision Sealand was forcing at them, and they've cited that as de facto recognition of their nationhood. And so I have to not recognize Gambrels, so I can't recognize that uh, they're real. <laughs> Either of them. That's It's legally protecting me. Ish. So we went to the zoo, and my lovely daughter loved the animals that decided to get up close to the plexiglass and were active. So that meant her two favorite animals at the zoo uh, were monkeys and tigers. That tracks. But then she, had, then she had a third favorite animal that was not separated by plexiglass. It was only separated by a wooden fence through which they could push their adorable little faces. And that by that, I mean, we went to the barnyard buddies section of the Metro Richmond zoo. And my daughter loved her some goats. There were big goats. There were little goats. There were pygmy goats. She loved them all. She had a big grin looking at a big horned goat, shoving its face through the uh, fence and trying to uh, lick her and trying to get the food that we did not purchase. Uh, 
She loved them. She loved her some goats. I can't even object to this story. Were there fainting goats? Everyone loves fainting. I don't think there were. Even my my cold dead heart loves fainting. I don't think there are fainting goats. If you go to my Twitter or if you go to the mentions of the filibuster podcast, Twitter, uh, there will be one picture of her uh, with the goat. And then uh, later this week, I will post the rest of the pictures to the filibuster Patreon so our uh, patrons can see a full-fledged amount of goat pictures that I took. So you can look forward to that if you're a patron. Please don't let that stop you from donating to our Patreon. That's one of the perks, Adam. That is specifically one of the perks. I'm aware that that is a reward for donors um reward broadly defined you came up with these (laughs) benjamin how else was the zoo um she did not like animals that weren't moving yeah so animals yeah yeah like the orangutans were kind. Orangutans were kind of just sitting there. Um, she liked the snow leopards. The snow leopards were very exciting. One of the snow leopards came right up to the fence and just sat there like a little house kitty, and was like trying to push its nose through the fence. And we thought it was both being adorable and trying to size us up so it could murder us. That that's fair. That sounds right. <laughs> so there, there. And then oh, go ahead. No, and then uh, the family, the, the, our friends that they, we were there with, their son really liked the ducks, and there were just ducks everywhere, and every time he saw a duck, he would go, quack, quack. Because <laughs> duck, yeah, you know. that is, in fact, for any listeners out there who are unfamiliar, that is the sound a duck makes. <laughs> yep. Uh, at the National Zoo, where we've taken uh, my kids more than a few times, uh, there, there's one animal that doesn't do much stands there and eats grass, but it's still really captivating in a weird way. And that is the American bison. It's just very large and just there. It's it's Uh, bizarre how captivating it is for children and adults alike. Well, uh, there were a number of large animals at the Metro Richmond Zoo, including bison and rhinos. And my daughter would have none of it. She was unimpressed by both bison and rhinos. Yeah, my daughter loves the cows in the petting zoo portion. Even more than the goats. Ah, Like, Mm -hmm. the cows are what really she enjoys. So that might be, you know, the bison, of course, are are related to cows. Spoiler alert. Uh, So that, that might have something to do with that. Jason, have you ever been to a zoo? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the outdoor animal museum and Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about soccer, DC United in particular. Tonight, we are talking about DC United and the rest of Major League Soccer's Eastern Conference. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the very little bit of news there was this week for DC United. In the second segment, we'll look around the East and see what there is to see, kind of get a lay of the land heading into preseason, which is underway. And we'll get to that very briefly. Before we do, though, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I 
went and bought quite a bit of uh, Maryland made Maryland made beer. Um, and tonight, uh, what I've got is I'm trying to read the whole bottle. Um, Evolution Craft Brewing. They're from uh, Salisbury, Maryland. Uh, their Secret Spot Alt Ale, which is alt beer inspired. Uh, it's not quite an alt beer, I think. Um, I'm not sure what the I'm not sure why it has to be alt beer inspired rather than just being an alt beer. Um, but I'm a known fan of the alt beer, and uh, it's it's this is a solid representation of the form. They really should just call it an alt beer. Um, maybe they like alliteration since it's secret spot and then alt ale. Um, but yeah, uh, alt beer, it's not, uh, an alternative to beer as a reminder. It's, uh, old, it's German for old beer. It's just made in the very old fashioned, uh, traditional set of ingredients, that kind of thing. I'm drinking a mezcal shrub tonight. Um, Brujo mezcal, uh, is, is pretty good. Mez, you know, Wait, Brujo? 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 I, my my Spanish is not great. B-R-U-X-O. Oh. Uh, mezcal. Interesting. I've never heard of this one. Yeah, it's a mezcal uh, that that's you know pretty decent. It's it's not the smokiest mm-hmm. mezcal. It's it's pretty easy, I think, as far as mezcal goes. Um, mm-hmm. And I I've mixed that with some uh, pineapple allspice shrub from shrub district here in DC and some ice. And it's a nice little fall wintry kind of uh, drink. I like it. Ben. So for the first time in about six months, I actually spent the like 10 minutes it takes to make simple syrup. It's not difficult. Don't buy simple syrup folks. Don't buy it. It's so easy to make. This has been your annual um, so I, simple syrup public service announcement. Yeah. We do that every so year. So I uh, – we may or may not. Um, <laughs> so I made a whiskey sour with that simple syrup. Nice. That's all. E- easy. Something I haven't had in a while. Uh, what kind of whiskey? Whiskey sours are good. Um, uh, Buffalo Trace. Okay. I accept. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's good whiskey. The glass, the glass I'm drinking my shrub out of is in fact a Buffalo trace glass. My father-in-law gave us a whole set of them and they're kind of our default, you know, uh, old fashioned glasses. So they have, they have, they do in fact, which is unrelated to the fact that I mentioned the bison earlier. I actually wasn't even thinking. No, no, no. But it is related to Adam. Let's talk about soccer. There's actually not a lot of soccer to talk about. <laughs> uh, DC United kicked off their preseason, um, but not a lot of news really to talk about since last week's show. Uh, the squad reported to DC. I imagine did some base fitness, maybe uh, got their physicals and then got on a plane and went south where it's warm and not. Young man. Not going to snow during rush hour tomorrow uh, or today, as you're listening to this, possibly. Uh, they went down to Clearwater, Florida, where they will spend the, I guess, the first of two uh, segments of, of preseason down there. They did release their preseason roster. No surprises, really. Uh, both fourth round draft picks are on there, um, neither of which is under under contract yet. We talked about them last week. 
two trialists uh, are listed on the roster. Chris Oduiachum, who, unless you're new here, is a name that will be familiar to you from last year. He was on the team last year as a rookie, drafted out of Maryland. Uh, his contract was his contract option was not picked up for this year. He will be trying to earn a contract this spring. And Shannon Williams, late of the Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, I think better remembered for his time with the Philadelphia Union, also on trial with DC United this uh, this preseason. He's got he's got some personal issues in his past, certainly. I don't even care about the personal issues. I just want a better fullback option than Shannon Williams. I want them to go out and get someone better than Shannon Williams. And Shannon Williams is probably going to cost two hundred thousand. No, if, if he's on trial, I don't think he'll. He's going to. First of all, I'm, that kind of I'm number. surprised, uh, frankly, that he took the trial, given that we've got several years of seeing him in MLS. Um, generally speaking, once you're at that level of like there's a book on you at this point. You don't really go on trial. You just either get offered a deal or not. Um, so it's a it's a strange situation to me. Um, but even at even at even at one hundred and thirty thousand, I want them to bring somebody better on trial. I, I I'd rather have a high performing USL guy okay. than Shan Williams at this point. And I'd re- I'd rather have someone much better than that. Like. They need somebody to push Nick DeLeon and uh, Taylor Kemp, not Shannon Williams. I, mean, I think I agree with Ben on the second part that they should be shooting for someone better than existing options. Um, I I don't think that there's a USL fullback that's better than Shannon Williams. Okay, probably true. But. I, mean, I mean, maybe younger and with a higher ceiling because Williams is in his late 20s. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the overarching thing is that He's not necessarily, even if he does beat DeLeon out for right back, it's going to be by a very small amount, and they'll probably be fighting all year. And it's increased competition, which is nice, and he's very fast, and that's good. But um, I think it would be helpful to see the team get a fullback who is just demonstrably better than on either side um, than the options available, because this team needs to upgrade it at positions that they, they've really filled out a solid uh, game day 18 where you don't have that like after player 12, it drops off a cliff kind of uh, situation, which is great. But at a certain point, you also need to just upgrade the top of your roster. And, you know, that's what that's the shoe that needs to drop with this team, not just at fullback, but across the board. Uh, I wonder if Chris Adewiachum is going to be the fullback that's better than than Shannon Williams. He obviously didn't get a lot of time last year, but uh, at least as far as his speed and his work rate, we didn't see much of him defending the position last year. But my my overriding memory of of Shannon Williams is a game at RFK several years ago where the ball went up, came down DC United's left side and. Williams that's Williams side of the field uh someone prevents a a corner kick by clearing the ball out to to the sideline instead of letting it go over the end line and I'm at the other end of the field thinking well that's good uh at least it's not a corner kick that means this is a less dangerous play and Williams goes and he has a a very good long throw um and and throws it in and it gets flicked on and Philly score and it's like oh that that was not what I expected or wanted yeah, to happen he, there. That that's 
that is the defining part of his game, which is not necessarily a good thing. It's a very powerful uh, throw that Philadelphia weaponized for a few years there. But yeah, that's uh, the defining part he, of his game. He doesn't. He's not just the guy that can throw it forty-five yards. He's someone that can throw it on a rope at a hard. Yeah, he's throwing a hard trajectory um, driven throw in. Um, so it's not that looping ball where even the guy getting to it can't really do anything with it. If you make a run onto that thing, you could glance it into the goal directly. You don't even need the flick on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, when I think of Williams's fit, I mean, he's played, I think he has almost a full season as a starting center back at one point. Um, he's played some as a left back, so he can fill in across and that versatility has some, some use certainly. Um, especially given a season that's going to be a lot of road games, which is probably going to mean, you know, needing people to fill in from time to time at an odd position. Um, He is, it's sort of a situation of like, he reminds me of early Sean Franklin, the Sean Franklin that played center back for a year and then moved over to right back. Um, Except he's, he hasn't really slowed down uh, as much as, you know, Franklin's speed kind of, fell off steadily until now. Um, Williams has sort of kept it all along and he actually was um, in his youth national team days was a winger or even a forward and then didn't get drafted uh, into MLS, ended up signing with uh, Harrisburg in the USL, proving himself there and then made it uh, the union were suitably impressed. And also the union just were like, you know, the first couple of years of the union, you might remember, were not exactly the greatest uh, expansion story in league history. Um, and the combination of those two things gave him an opening that he has turned into a, a career. Um, but again, you know, we're not talking about a certain starter on a team that is weak at fullback. So, you know, well, and his his ability at center back actually makes me want to prefer Chris Duyachum even more because DC United has four center backs and. I don't want Shannon Williams getting any minutes that could be given to Jalen Robinson specifically. So I don't want Ben Olsen to even be tempted to choose Shannon Williams in the middle over uh, Jalen Robinson. And I would rather see, I would rather bank on the potential of Chris Duyachim over Shannon Williams. I would rather have, like I said before, I'd rather have someone better than both of them brought in and maybe two people better than both of them brought in. But Given the choice between the two of them, I would rather have Jalen Robinson getting Shannon Williams center back minutes and Chris Duyachum getting his fullback minutes. Word from yeah, oh, go I ahead. think the difference. Uh, I was going to say that the difference is um, the difference between Williams and Oduyachum. Um, Oduyachum is definitely faster than Williams, but Williams has parlayed his experience into some better positional skills. Um, he's certainly more comfortable with the ball based on his old. Uh, I mean, going back to his history being an attacker earlier in his career and, and moving back to a fullback role. Um, if there's a knock, if there's a reason United was skeptical about Odoyachim at the end of the year, it's that on the ball, he had some issues. He wasn't the most likely to control the ball. His first touch isn't that clean. Um, he's not the best crosser. Um, so he could get forward, but did you actually want to give him the ball in a moment where he was putting, you know, he was going to end up being the one providing the service? Probably not. Um, and Williams can provide, I'm not going to say great service, but better service than Ordo Atchum. So, um, that's something that 
hopefully he worked on in in his own on his own in the off season. Um, and you know, hopefully he's able because uh, I will say this: if it comes down to that decision being close, I would suspect United goes for Odo Atchim, who will be significantly cheaper. Uh, to the extent that yeah. you could almost sign, a, you you could you could definitely sign another, you know, hundred thousand, hundred twenty five thousand dollar salary player um, with that leftover room. So it's a pretty substantial savings um, in a spot where, if we're talking about someone who's just backing up Dalio, and then you can afford to look at savings there. Um, but again, um, I think my hope still remains, and I. I guessing you guys both agree that this shouldn't be it for right back or left back. It should be taking the team to an, another level rather than saying, oh, well, let's just stay at this level and have added competition and that's it. Um, that's nice, but it's not necessarily the fix that's needed here. And we're going to have to, for now, hope that that one of the names that Dave Casper is bringing in is going to address this position. He said that uh, two guys from Latin America are going to be coming in. One of them will be an outside back reportedly. Um, we don't know if that's going to be a depth piece or a top line starter. We don't know if it's left side or right side, but outside defender is what we've heard. Uh, the other one will be a TAM level. So over the the maximum salary threshold of around $500,000 yeah. below think Zoltan Stieber. Yeah. Think, think Zoltan. Yeah. Um, a, a TAM level player who will be an attacker uh, from Steve Goff. We we've heard that this is not going to be an out and out striker. We don't know if that means it'll be like uh, Gonzalo Verón uh, plays center forward, but isn't a big body can also play on the wing or whether this will be more of a Zoltan Stieber sort of piece uh, who's really more truly an outside midfielder who can play on the inside and up top if necessary. Uh, so we, that that's really all we know about, about them at this point. Hopefully next week we'll have more than speculation to go on, but Jason, let's speculate. Um, yeah, the, it's, it's strange to me that we're talking about a TAM level attacker without necessarily talking about a TAM level striker, um, or even a higher level striker than TAM level. Um, because I think we all know that that is a significant need for this team. Um, whereas when you think about the wings and when we say attacker, um, at least on the site, we use that as shorthand to mean the kind of player who can be a forward or a winger. That's kind of the idea, especially for these guys that are like uh, left wing slash striker, that kind of thing. Um, not so much for someone that plays the 10 and can also play as a forward. Um, but even the 10 already already has a significant – we have a couple of players who can do that well, already. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting to is that um, when we talk about an attacker, we're talking about – someone who's probably going to be competing either if, you know, if we're talking about someone that can play forward, that's someone that's competing with Mullins and Maddox um, up there. But, and Miranda. And, and hopefully Miranda is a perfect example of someone who should be called an attacker um, rather yeah. than one or the other. 
Um, but, you know, when we look at the wings, the wings are very deep. We ran a story on the site about how the wings are two of the deepest positions on the entire team. Um, you have Ariola, you have Stieber, Darren Maddox can play on the left. Miranda can play on the left or the right. Um, uh, Gonzalo, or, uh, Ulysses Segura can play on the right. I actually still in my head, I'm thinking that he's going to play more as a wide player than anything else. Um, so, you know, it, we could go on, you know, Nick DeLeon, if, if DC has some fullbacks at the end of this preseason, he is an option uh, on the wing. Um, it, it's a, it's a very deep group of wide players. So I'm not really sure. I'm glad to hear it's a TAM level player. And we're talking about someone that's going to be, I, I would just presume competing for starting minutes. If you're signing someone at that price tag, you're looking at something. It's you're, you're expecting them to be starting 17 plus games. Um, at the least. Um, but I also look at that and, and think, do we really need, you know, I, I think this team can make the playoffs. If, if we're looking at positions and their ability to make the playoffs, I would say Paul Ariola is capable of starting on a playoff team. Lucho Acosta is capable of playing on a, a playoff team. Zoltan Stieber is capable of starting on a playoff team. So if those are the guys that an attacker is going to be competing with, it's sort of, it's nice to have that, that possibility of being so deep at those positions with so much talent, but is it necessarily the wisest investment? Uh, you know, we'll see how, how good the guy is as a forward, as well as a winger, because if he's the best forward on the team, then okay, I'm starting to get more interested. But if I'm, if not, it seems sort of like it's nice to spend, but it's not necessarily where we needed it. I mean, I feel like he has to be either. I feel like he has to be, some sort of forward that's either a false nine or a second striker or something like that. Because like we've said, uh, you're not going to sign somebody at that level to compete with Zoltan Stieber or definitely not to complete with, compete with Paul Areola or not to compete with um, Lucho Acosta. So uh, signing them as competition for uh, Patrick Mullins, and Darren Maddox and Bruno Miranda only make is that's the only thing that makes sense. And given regardless of their ambition, I feel like what Ben Olsen and Dave Casper do, does usually makes at least somewhat of sense. They usually do something that has some sort of plan. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it doesn't work out, but I feel like they often have a plan. So this could just be me hoping instead of, of thinking, but I, I'm hoping that it's some sort of, at this point, false nine that they can uh, use in that sort of system and who can be creative with the rest of the midfielders. Because spending that much money on any other position just doesn't make sense. And, and I'd also, I'd point out that we do have, unfortunately, there is an unfortunate period of history in which Ben Olsen did try and make a front line of two false nines work at the same time when he was pairing well, yeah. Andy Rosario and Luis Silva. The idea could work. Um, it it's not that the idea is flawed, it's, but not uh, long term in the open cup. Yeah. Um, uh, but that was more that that whole team was bad. It wasn't a bad idea. It was that the team was bad enough where there weren't ideas that would solve that problem. Um, but no, it's, it is a possible thing where, you play whatever four five one very they're going to play, and you have that false nine, and you end up almost leaving the 
center backs with no one to actually deal with defensively, and they're not really sure what they're supposed to do. Um, I would be very surprised if that's where Olsen is going, but it is certainly a changeup from Matt or from like he said, yeah, you know, Mullins is, uh, you know, a target man back to goal. Maddox is going to want to run in behind and use his speed. And then if your third option is someone who tends to drop off the front line entirely and combine with uh, Lucho a little more, um, then you've got three different ways of going about your business. And well, and go ahead. No, uh, well, and I think that might that might even play into Lucho's th- strengths better because if somebody is dropping off and letting Lucho lead the counterattack and is just getting them into the right positions to uh, benefit from Lucho's uh, vision and Lucho's runs, that could be better than someone. That I mean, it's at least different and could be end up being better than. Uh, at least better than bad Patrick Mullins was last year, uh, where he couldn't combine with Lucho at all. And so it could be just another vision that Ben Olsen has and could end up if, if everyone is running at goal at the same time and they're just counterattacking at pace, that could work out pretty well. I will say this all kind of reminds me of if, if anyone else, and you probably should be following our, our friend Kevin McCauley, um, he has been tweeting his – he's playing football manager and using DC United, and he has had a lot of success playing with a um, the same formation but a deep-lying forward who is more of a supporting player rather than someone who stays out in front of everybody. Um, so maybe this is just uh, life imitating art, which means if it does – uh, Kevin, Kevin McCauley is a witch. Well, yeah. And also it means that, uh, I believe his last tweet about it was that he had taken, uh, DC to a record breaking point total for one season, uh, during his regular season. So, um, if, if that's the case, then one, Kevin is the creative uh, creator of the simulation that we live in. Uh, <laughs> and two, uh, at least we're having an awesome time. Well, are we having an awesome time? It, this is a different question. Um, but, are theoretically we're having an awesome time within the simulation celebrating our successful team. So maybe just maybe that's how it's going. What I heard is a stone cold guarantee there. That's what I'm it's choosing a guarantee to hear. that we're, uh, well, I mean, if you can disprove that we're living in a simulation, please let us know. I cannot. Um, I don't know if this is evidence of, of simulation or, or not, but Audi Field is officially topped out. Uh, DC United's new home on Buzzard Point is done from a structural level. All that's left now is interiors, trim, seats, field, that kind of, you know, very important stuff. But but, not but it's not structural. The steel is all in place for this new stadium. And that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty exciting. The team... Uh, allowed season ticket holders to go down and sign the final beam over the course of the week and had a, a topping off ceremony on Friday uh, where, where they, I guess, had a few hundred people in attendance to to watch the beam be lifted into place, complete with uh, American flag, DC United flag, and I guess a, a, a very small fir tree or spruce tree of some kind uh, in, in what... Lindsay Simpson described as a Scandinavian construction tradition. Uh, she also said that tree will be planted on site somewhere. So, um, yay to that, I guess. Um, the big thing, though, the 
the stadium is progressing and it july 14th is going to be here before we know it so that's pretty cool jason you made it down for that didn't you no no um i did not okay my mistake (laughs) Um, i also i was planning to be there no, I was I was planning to be there and something came up that morning that I just couldn't extricate myself from. And so Stephen Streff was there, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I personally was definitely not there. I knew I wasn't going to be able to make it. So I had someone sign the beam for me, <laughs> which which I'm pretty happy about uh, as a season ticket holder. Uh, the last thing we we're going to talk about uh before we take a break is the U S men's national team who played a, no, nah. we're not going to talk about that. Bill Hamid started in goal. Yay. Paul Ariola got on the field. Yay. That is literally all there is to say about that game in Carson, California. It was against Bosnia and Hertz of a Hertz, Egovina. Um, Hertz, I've heard it both ways. Hertz, however you pronounce it, there was a soccer game and it doesn't matter. And everyone who, nope. who heard anything about this game is, or, or paid any effort to, to watch it, uh, se- seems disappointed that Dave, Dave Sarakin did not play the young guy. I don't want to hear his name. The, <laughs> I don't want his yeah, name on my podcast. Uh, so instead of talking about the actual game, Ben, what did you do instead of watching it? <laughs> Let's see. I watched the Grammys. I watched about the first half to two thirds of the Grammys. And then, uh, I, I drank some nice chamomile tea and then I went to sleep. I did every part of that except the Grammys and tea. I just went to sleep. Uh, which was a good decision because the I, baby, I, I, I will, because no, no, continue. I was going to say it was a good decision because the baby decided to wake up at like, 2.30 and stay awake until after 4. Oh, so, so going yeah, to bed early bad. was was a very good decision on my part. Much better than watching the game would have been. Yes, I will say I, tr- I, I spent about 10 minutes trying to watch the game, but uh, Fox Sports has passed watch ESPN as the worst streaming platform because they still require you to have Flash, which has been a deprecated technology for the past like four years. So good job, Fox Sports. You have you are crap. <laughs> Jason, any any kind words to pile on with? No. Uh, kind words, no. Uh <laughs> But I, I don't really have negative words because I didn't try to get to Fox's streaming service. I had to confront the choice of either having some tequila or driving, uh, get, get leaving the event I was at to come home in time to watch the game. And I think I wisely chose to have another drink and uh, sit with my friends and catch up on, on a bunch of stuff. And it was very fun. Uh, we had some nice food and good times. And I completely missed the game. I did record it and I probably will watch it tonight because I... Uh, no, don't do I, it. I do Jason, things like this. Don't do um, it. Jason. Jason. We're having an intervention, Jason. No, you're not. Yes, we're we are. here. <laughs> ben is on his way. We're here in from, podcast. From Metro Richmond right now. No, he's not. <laughs> I could get in the car. You could, but you're not going to. So, Jason, don't watch it. I would also be... Well, actually, this transitions me to something I want to say briefly. That, like, for the next couple... At least year, probably. Like... 
I'm just concentrating on my club and not country. Like, the rhetoric about the U.S. men's national team is so toxic and the U.S. presidential conversation is so toxic that, like, I just want to get away from it. So I don't care about the U.S. men's national team right now. I just want to get away from it and not pay attention to it anymore. So thank you to everyone who has made it so toxic that I just don't care anymore. I mean, my, my, my interest in the game is mainly just to see how some of these young players are looking. I know it's kind of, it's kind of like watching the combine one, a little bit. Um, one, and also I'm going to go on another slight rant because I will. Um, there's no point in having this game because everything's going to change once uh, the new president is elected and there's a new coach. So there's really no point in having this game because Dave and Dave Sarakin just made a, a, the most mess of it that he could have. He did everything wrong. He could have done more things in choosing wrong. his team. <laughs> Well, yes, he could have chosen Landon Donovan and Clint Hamid. Yeah, uh, I mean, yes, starting Bill Hamid was good, but no. So starting Jossie Zardes was yes, bad. I, I'm not defending the rest of his selections, but he could be in charge for several more months. No, no, for several no. more months. It's then because there are people okay, who then, are calling for whoever the new president is to wait until after the World Cup to hire someone because that, that is when that's more fair. people will be available and you can have a proper global search for the coach. That's, so I, that's I, I agree fair, that it doesn't matter, not, but I don't know that it doesn't matter as far as you are taking it. That's fair. I will not watch a single U.S. men's national team game as long as Dave Sarkin is in charge. I'm not going to watch any of them. Ben, can you please hold a fist over your head in boycott? Yes, I'm doing it right now. I will not watch a single game uh, from now until Dave Sarakin is no longer in charge. I will not watch a single U.S. men's national team. Going to to Adam's point for a second, um, the the idea of conducting a real global search. uh, If you remember, the last time we were supposedly doing that, it was just Sunil Galati was talking to Jurgen Klinsmann and nobody else because that was the only person he had eyes for. Um, well, and also, also speaking of that, uh, I won't go and dive into this rabbit hole on this podcast fully, but he should have just kept Bob Brad, Bob Bradley because it, it was only Steve Terundolo's injury that made them lose that game. So I, 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 I won't I get into like the details. I feel like we should avoid relitigating but, uh, that particular saga. Yes, but we should. I, I am very dubious about the potential for a proper global search for a proper U.S. national team yes, coach. Yes, I agree with – I do agree with e- that. Even like U.S. soccer in a sensible era botched it completely, and I think right now we can safely say that U.S. soccer is in a very not sensible era um, in terms well, I think of – I think that era – I think that the era of hiring Klinsman was le- – may have been, in hindsight, less sensible than we, we thought it was at the time because – no, it was so bad. So, in a, se- a more sensible era than in t- the one where we have clubs falling apart left and right and a presidential field that is uh, the less said about them, to be- the better. <laughs> and on that note, we're not going to say anything more. Stick around. This is Filibuster. We'll be right back to talk about MLS's Eastern Conference. Hey, Ben. Um... You wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, 
Well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, MLS is getting better almost across the board, and that's especially true in the Eastern Conference, where DC United plays and finished last last year. Uh, the Eastern Conference was, uh, by a, a pretty strong margin, the, the stronger conference last year. And as preseason gets underway, we figured we would take a, a very quick look around the conference at each team's uh, move so far this winter and... Uh, where where we think they're heading in 2018 we'll start at the bottom and and work our way up based on last year's standings we we're a dc united podcast we've already talked at at length about dc united so we're going to move on to 10th place the orlando city fighting purple lions uh ben's favorite club outside don't even speak those words (laughs) out of your mouth They've actually had a, a pretty impressive. Don't speak those words out of your mouth. You know they've made a lot of moves this this winter. A lot of a lot of comings, a lot of goings, and uh, are almost certainly a better team for it. Sorry, Ben. Uh, gone are Kaká and Kyle Laren, most notably. Um, some other guys have left, but those are the the biggest losses and in their place they have Sasha Question, they have uh Jose Villarreal from the LA Galaxy, they have Josue Coleman, a young DP they brought in, they have draft pick Chris Mueller and uh in the last couple of days they really may have been the the biggest days of the offseason for them so far signing Justin Miram and reportedly Yuri Roselle, formerly of Sporting Kansas City, and it, it says here I'm obligated to see, say this, Barcelona B, uh, way back before that. I don't know. Every time you mention him, you have to say that. I don't no, know you why. Don't. Adam, it's, you don't. Adam, it's you written don't. on my paper. No, I have to Adam, say. Adam, you, you have free will. Do I, Ben? Yes, Barcelona B isn't a thing. I, I don't know where to go with that. It's not uh, a thing. That's where you go. No, it is a thing. <laughs> it exists. It's not a major thing. <laughs> it's not a meta- uh, uh, metaphorically. Metaphorically. <laughs> Barcelona B is not a metaphor. That I will agree with. Jason, um, Orlando City, look, they, they're a team that's never made the playoffs. And this is a roster that might be able to change that. <laughs> and hopefully they never will. 
I mean, yeah, certainly uh, it's a it's a club that runs itself as if they've been making the playoffs uh, frequently when they never have. Um, but uh, yeah, the, it's it's funny. I tweeted about this. We were recording on Monday, and I retweeted maybe thirty seconds before Paul Tenorio broke the Roselle news, and I pointed out that they have a ton of attacking weapons and not really very uh, not really very good defensively, especially right up the gut. Uh, and then they immediately the, – the Roselle thing broke, and it's like, oh, well, I mean, he was really, really good for Sporting Kansas City uh, before he left. Um, so he left for a transfer fee as well, which is why they don't have his rights anymore. Um, so, yeah, uh, they have done a lot in the last, like, 10 hours to get better. Um, it's kind of a new day for them. Um, there's no questions. Uh, I'm not sure Christ is going to get the best out of Dom Dwyer or that a – Dom Dwyer, Justin Miram front line is exactly going to work super well, but it could work. And, you know, you look at them on paper, they've still got Yoshimaru Tune, who was really, really good. Um, there's a lot to like there. There's not, they're not perfect, but uh, I'm starting to think they're one of the playoff teams, which means there's one fewer playoff spot for DC to get into. Uh, next up on our list, this is going to be really quick uh, through, through the, the conference. Next up, the Montreal Impact who uh, lost their best midseason acquisition, Blarem Jamali, who scored against DC United. Um, they, they lost some other guys. Hernan Bernadello is a potential big loss. Patrice Bernier uh, retired. He was really what made their team work when they were, when they were good, especially. Um, in Lawrence Simon. Lawrence Simon, yeah. they lost. Yeah. Uh, big loss at, at the center back position. Uh, biggest acquisition is probably uh, Safir Tider. Tater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Tider. Tider. But I'm not, I'm not sure. Who, who comes in from Bologna, which is owned, coincidentally, I'm sure, by Joey Saputo. <laughs> um, Montreal's number one source for signings yeah. is, is Joey Saputo. Moving from, yeah, moving from one Saputo club to the other. Uh, he He's definitely the, the big addition i'm i'm actually not super familiar with a lot of the rest of them uh jason how are the impact looking and uh are they going to remain the the counterattack team that they will always be i must always be i i don't think they're going to be counterattacking and that's the the reputation of them what was that that was me gasping oh that that was scary yeah it sounded that did not sound like a gasp um anyway (laughs) Um, Sounds like death. The the reputation of Remy Garrett, their new coach, is definitely more of a possession heavy, um, keeping the ball on the ground, uh, being patient, uh, uh, very much that kind of style, rather than the sit deep and hit teams on the break that we saw with uh, uh, Mora Biello. Um, but we also don't know the first thing about how Remy Gard will actually adapt to MLS. We've seen some other coaches that favor that style eventually abandon it. Um, most famously, Caleb Porter over the last couple of years has pretty much given up on playing that style. He just couldn't make, couldn't make it work to the extent that he wanted to. Um, so we don't know. Um, they are of all the Eastern conference teams. They are the biggest unknown in my opinion, because uh, I don't know if, if Ty Dare is going to have the same level of seriousness uh, that Jamiley uh, took to this. Um, you know, Ignacio Piatti is still in place, which is great for them, but they lost some central midfielders. They 
Anthony Jackson Hamel last year went from on the verge of being kicked out to being their best scoring threat. And I don't know if he's young enough at his, this point in his career, is he, which, you know, is he uh, a player who can't get along with the staff there? Is he someone who just got hot and that's it? You know, I don't know. So there's a lot of, I don't, when I look at their roster, I look at everything. I'm like, I, I just don't know what they're going to do, which is probably a bad sign for their playoff hopes. Um, but I also can't rule them out. Uh, next up, the Philadelphia Union, who <laughs> who lost. Uh, you know, I, I would I, I would try to find a big name that they lost, but there weren't a lot of players who had good years for them last year. Chris Pontius is gone. Charlie Davies is gone. Maurice Adu. A lot of names that you recognize: Aguchi Onyewu, Brian Carroll. Uh, but they're all bad. They're not all bad. Pontius, Pontius was the one name where I'm like, that's someone they actually lost. Yeah, he he didn't have a great year last year, but nobody on Philadelphia like, did. He still got to double digit assists, right? Um, but the year before that, he he was closer to his fabled yeah. twenty twelve best eleven year. Right. Uh, there's only really one name we we need to talk about as far as coming in because they have three homegrown signings and a USL forward coming, and also well, David Kahn. Yeah, don't we'll take all the. Uh, Take all the gas out of my statements about them, why don't you? Okay, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, they've done shit. They're going to be bad. All they've done is sign David Akam. And David Akam is good, yeah, I agree, but they've done shit. They're going to be really bad next year. They, they look very bad. They do. <laughs> um, I think it's funny to me, to me looking at their roster because they do have five really good MLS starters. They've got Akam... They've got Andre Blake, uh, Badoya, and Madunyanin is a really good central midfield, and CJ Sapong is a very good central forward. It's just that the other six spots in their lineup are guys that are like... Like USL level. I mean, they're, they're definitely not starters in almost any other MLS city. Um, and they're, they're, there doesn't appear to be any drive within the organization to do more than that. So um, good luck to our friends in Philly, because... You're going to need bad luck. (laughs) Yeah, there's I don't have a lot to add. It's going to be a long year for them. And um, really, really hoping DC United has done enough and will improve enough to finish up above them because finishing below them again this year will be a bit of an embarrassment. Uh, the New England Revolution are next as our (laughs) Speaking, speaking of. Speaking of terrible, as we climb last year's standings, uh, Kai Kamara is gone to the Vancouver Whitecaps. Gershon <laughs> Kofi is gone. Um, let's see. Daigo Kobayashi, uh, who spent a lot of time as a sub for them. Uh, London Woodbury also gone in. They have a new manager, Brad Friedel, um, who will no longer be providing color commentary on Fox broadcasts. Please don't pop the champagne. Uh, and coming in for them are, you know what, Jason, I'm reading this list and I recognize zero of these four names. Yeah. They, they haven't done a lot. Uh, that's very convincing. Um, 10th and 11th in the East go Philly and new England. Yeah. It's a terrible uh, cheer, Ben. That needs a lot of work. It's it's a first draft. You do Um, better. Do better. Adam, do better right now. Do better. Union and Revs, you suck. Damn it, that was better. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but yeah, the, the the situation with the Revs, I mean, Lee Wynn wants out, and they've done the most New England Revolution thing possible, which is to play hardball with the one player they should have been like, okay, you're still a tradable asset. We can still get a lot for you. Um, maybe the last couple of years we should have done better by you so that you wouldn't have gotten to this point. Um, but no, instead, they've decided to uh, just carry on the hard-nosed uh, line that isn't going to work because if he does stay, he's not going to play well. And if they trade him now, they have no real leverage. So um, great work from New England. I'm personally not uh, convinced at all that Friedel's going to do a good job. Um, he hasn't coached professional players. He's been more of a uh, youth coach. So on top of – I mean, there's just – there's nothing to give you confidence in that team – um, pretty much at all. So they're going to be bad. Uh, I think all year, it's not going to be the old J heaps revs where they're streaky. Uh, I think they're just going to be down at the bottom pretty much all season. I think as bad as we just said, Philly is, I think that the revs are conclusively worse. I haven't seen anything to make me think otherwise, uh, especially the win situation, because I, he, he might just not play this year and the revs will get nothing for him. Um, which yeah, is because I doubt, I doubt he holds out for an entire year. Um, right. But if he, unlikely. If he does play, he's not going to be happy about it. He might be, he might come out on fire for a little while trying to, you know, play with rage and enforce a trade. But as the year goes on, I could definitely see him fizzling or, or becoming, um, something of a, a situation in the locker room. And that's not a knock on him. That's, that's, how that situation plays out a lot of times. And I, I don't know who's going to score. I guess they, they have Juan Aguidello, but sure. And any, I mean, he's been really good for stretches, but not for a whole season as the guy, which I mean, that goes back to heaps, not being necessarily willing to just put him as his center forward and move Kai Kamara on. Um, but yeah, I, I I have the feeling that Friedel's going to mismanage what looks to be a very difficult situation, and that team needs excellent management to have any hope of being any good. So, yeah, it's going to be a rough year uh, at uh, Foxborough for sure. Uh, coming a little bit further south to uh, the state of New Jersey, the New York Red Bulls uh, have made a, a few moves this offseason. More more people going out than than big names coming in Sasha question the the premier chance creator of the last two years um, is gone he was really the defining aspect of of their attack and for the second straight offseason the the metros have traded their captain Gonzalo Verón we've we've talked about some this offseason um, his option was declined he was selected by DC United <clears throat> in the reentry draft and hasn't signed so he's gone uh, Mike Grella Dilly Duca Salzizo all gone as well. Uh, they brought in Hi. some Nobody. some homegrown guys, a couple of USL players, uh, Carlos Rivas and Tommy Redding in the question trade, um, <laughs> and and otherwise not a lot. What is what is going to happen up there at Red Bull Arena this year? I mean, they've got to. I mean, hopefully they do nothing and they throw out a trash team that only has. Um, uh, Bradley Wright Phillips and Felipe, and that's about it. Um, but if you want to be charitable to them, they would have to, they need to sign better players because 
Carlos Rivas is not that good, and Tommy Redding is bad, and all they've all the only other things they've done have signed USL players. So they need actual MLS caliber players, and they haven't done it yet this year. So, and given that they are uh, the New York Red Bulls, usually they sign expensive players and. Uh, 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 break out the checkbook. So uh, Jesse Marsh has a, a, a big offseason still ahead of him, and if they don't do anything after what they've given given up, they're not going to be good next year. I think this is the offseason that they got too clever. Um, I think they kind of got too clever last season, and they fell from a shield contender to sixth in the East. Um, I think this is the offseason they've really opened the door to fall out of the playoffs. Um, yeah. I look and, at their and to roster be clear, right last now. year. Last year was the year that Tyler Adams was going to be a thing. And he yes. he was good. He's a very good player. He's got right. a fantastic future ahead of him. But I don't know if he was ready to be the the central midfield rock in MLS last year. At what well, he was 17 at the beginning of the year. Right. Yeah. And and, you know, they're they're still going to be. They're not going to be a bad team. Um, they've got Adams uh, in there with Felipe. They've got Daniel Royer is still there. Um, their formation causes teams problems because it's unusual to, to the extent that uh, it essentially has never been done in MLS before. Um, so, yeah, I, I I wouldn't say they're bad, but I definitely think that they've um, – they've got themselves in a little bit of a quandary because they don't have a question successor on their roster. They, they signed Muhammad Keita late last year. Uh, but I didn't see anything in him that says that he's going to, um, step right in for question. There's no one else there to take that role. Um, they used Adams as a forward destroyer in the playoffs, but that was a specific one-off thing dealing with TFC. That's not a long, that's not a season long solution. And on top of all of that, Bradley Wright Phillips turns 33 on March 12th. Um, so good luck with that, Red Bulls. Um, because it, it does, like, I assume they've got more things coming, but if it's not guys at the top of the roster, this is just going to be a solid, sort of a difficult team to play against, but not necessarily the team that picks up there. This is a team that picks up too many draws, is what I look, it was what I see here, is a team that's not capable of getting over the hump and winning games. One of the more interesting off seasons in the conference is hashtag save the crew uh, out there in Columbus. They have been making moves. Some of them forced by uh, players. Some of them not, I guess uh, most recently leaving are Justin Miram. We talked about him earlier. Ola Kamara, who we've talked about some this off season and ended up in LA because that's where he wanted to go. Uh, Kakuta Mane also gone. Uh, Waylon Francis is gone. Um, bringing in to the crew, Greg Berhalter will have uh, the first touch of Jesse Zardes. Um, <laughs> so also the rest of his game that's probably better than his first touch, but that first touch is coming with no. him too. Goalkeeper John Kempen, Mike Grella uh, coming in. This is going to be an interesting season for the crew because they are... You know, they're almost all their attackers that you kind of associate with the crew are gone. Ola Kamara, Kai Kamara, 
uh, are gone. Justin Miram, Ethan Finlay are gone. It's really, you know, Pippa Iguain is there. And as far as they're the front of their attack, that's, that's it. As far as names that, that you really associate with the crew. I feel bad for the crew. It, in that I, I feel bad for anyone who left because of their uh, franchise uncertainty. But Jossie Zardes, really? I, I, I can't forgive anyone for trading for Jossie Zardes. He's not a good MLS player, so don't trade for him. Well, I think the benefit for him going to the crew is that I think Greg... He's bad and will be less bad in a new position? In a new city? In a new position. Um, I think that Greg Berhalter has the understanding that somehow no one in LA did, which is that he is a forward. He's well, not a true. winger. Um, yes. Yes. Playing him as a winger is going to expose what he's bad at and take away from some of the stuff he's good at. His one good MLS season, he was playing as a striker. Um, and looking at the crew roster... I feel like they almost have to play him as a striker because the other option on the lo- the roster is Adam John, who is fine for depth, but you're never going to pillow feet. Yeah. I, I really, really doubt that Greg Berhalter wants to have a full season of Adam John as his starting center forward. So um, Zardes is going to be a striker. He's not going to play as well as Ola Kamara, but he is going to play better than the Zardes that has become the butt of so many jokes. I think um, this, the crew are still going to be, I think, a, a pretty decent team. I suspect that they have a better shot at a playoff spot than DC or New York. Um, even, even at, even having lost the talent that they've lost, um, they've accumulated a lot of, of, um, uh, allocation money through the various deals they've made. And Greg Berhalter does seem to be pretty sharp in that department. Uh, once he gets to put that stuff to use. So, um, they're one where the moves coming in mean a lot, but I think they are going to do something. Um, if they can keep their off field issues away from affecting morale, I think they're going to still be a pretty strong team. Not as strong as last year, but still pretty strong. Moving up to fourth place last year, Atlanta United, uh, the five stripes are parting ways with, and this one is really devastating to them. I know. Bobby Boswell gone. Um, he he's really their loss is everyone's game gain because he has been killing it on Twitter. If you don't follow him, do so. Fix that. Uh, also gone. First Atlanta United player ever. Kenwin Jones, uh, Tyron Mears and Zach Lloyd are gone off the back line. Um, the actual biggest loss for them is Yamil Assad midfielder whose loan expired. He may be coming back to MLS, but it won't be with Atlanta. Um, they they made some some waves this offseason. Darlington Nagby coming in. Uh, but the, the really big one is Ezekiel Barco. $15 million transfer from Independiente down there in Argentina. This is uh, a, a team that came in last year with a very specific idea of what they wanted to be. And that was big spenders who uh, force you into mistakes and then kill you with your own mistake. Just kind of, why are you hitting yourself? Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. That is how Atlanta United plays. Um, And, and DC United had the antidote last year. That might be a little bit harder this year because I think they got better. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I say that, but I also, I do think that their one flaw that I think they're going to be better in that um, they've probably gotten rid of a few players that were there before Tata Martino came in and players that didn't really fit what they were trying to do. Um, guys like Kenwin Jones, for example, uh, a talented player who just didn't fit what they were trying to do at all. Um, but losing Carlos Carmona, um, he's moving back to Chile because his, uh, his wife is pregnant and can't fly due to some complications and he doesn't want to be apart from her anymore. Um, so they're doing right by him. If you're the new England revolution, this is how you're supposed to treat people. Yeah. Take uh, notes in England. But, uh, it does mean Atlanta right now does not have a ball winner. Um, they'll probably move Julian Gressel back there, but he's not really a ball winner. Um, Jeff Lorenowitz can't cover that ground. And if you make him, if you don't give him someone to cover the ground and win the ball, he can't sit deep and do the very simple anchor game that he did so well last year. Um, so they, uh, an important piece of the puzzle has been removed for Atlanta. Now we know that Atlanta isn't just going to, you know, look at that and be like, well, I guess we'll just have to, you know, tough it out until mid season and, and then sign some guy on like a TAM contract. Um, this is Atlanta. They're going to do whatever spectacular move they can because uh, Arthur Blank just says yes when they come in and ask for money. Um, so once they address that, if they can address it with a Carmona level player, they're going to be just as good, if not better. Um, and so far, they've given us no reason to doubt that uh, their ability to find that player. They probably already had a replacement lined up uh, and they just have to go through and approach that player and that team and make it work. Um, that's the world they live in. It must be nice. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, they've improved in the back. They added a couple, um, under the wire, added a couple defenders from Argent, the Argentine league. Um, they are going to be really, really good. Um, even if DC United maintains their magic, uh, hold over Atlanta, I still think they're going to rise in the standings and, and finish in the top three pretty securely. I'm guessing this next team is the one you have dropping out. Chicago Fire uh, finished third in the East last year. They have had quite a few players go out, none bigger than David Akam, I would say, for them. Um, Though Juninho, also gone. Uh, John Gosens, also gone. Um, Arturo Arturo Alvarez, uh, gone as well. And, And let us not sleep on... David Arshakian, if only because if we did, he uh, we wouldn't actually we could sleep on him. He's a large dude. He's kind of mattress sized. So if you wanted to sleep on him, you actually physically could. Uh, he's gone, though, coming in a couple of draft picks. Uh, Rafael Ramos, defender from Orlando and a homegrown signing. Yeah, uh, they, a good one. Too. Yeah, Grant Lillard. yeah, that's yeah. a potential starter for them. Okay, Grant Lillard. And then their draft was actually pretty good with John Baccaro and Mo Adams. Yeah, uh, the fire. Um, I mean, losing David Akam in the same offseason that they lost, Arturo Alvarez uh, moved to Houston. Um, and then Michael DeLue tore his ACL right at the end of last season. Um, so they've lost a lot on the wings. That's going to be a big problem for them. Um, but they've made sure to manage it so they're not actually bad as a result of that. Um, they are going to need to get some things out of, uh, Daniel Johnson probably as stepping in, uh, he'll probably get major minutes with those three wingers, uh, gone. Um, they still have an issue in central midfield because Bastian Schweinsteiger, as good as he was, is also doesn't look to be able to hold up for a full season. 
Dax McCarty is in his early thirties. You know, he, he, I think he's got one, one more very good year left, but we've seen players just inexplicably age earlier than we thought. He's not, he's only 30. He turns 31 in a couple months. Um, but still the fire are going to be good. Um, I don't think they'll be as good as last year, but with Nikolic scoring goals, I think Lillard should be able to offset losing Joao Myra in the back. Um, Bacaro, I think, fits what they want to do pretty well as a as an alternate for Nikolic or, or possibly even as their starting number 10. Because if you remember last year, Chicago dealt with not having a 10 by just sort of moving a bunch of wingers into that role as the games went on. Um, Louis Solignac played some time as a 10, even though he's not a 10 at all. So I think they're going to be pretty strong, but definitely not as good. So, yeah, I think, Adam, you were right that um, – when I'm talking about who's in the top three and who's out, I think Chicago is the one that makes way to let Atlanta in. Uh, up to the top two now. NYCFC uh, lost Frederick Beyond to DC United uh, this year. Uh, lost Kyrie Shelton in a trade to Sporting Kansas City. Um, lost a few other other names that that you know, d- depending on who you talk to, are worth really mentioning. Um, Potentially addition by subtraction is the retirement of Andrea Pirlo, one of the all-time greats uh, in the, the center of the park, but was not an asset to NYCFC there at the end. Coming in for them, though, um, not... Well, Jason, what do you who do you see coming in for them that's going to take them up a step? Because as we've seen in this league, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. Um. I like the uh, Anton uh, Timmerholm uh, move. Um, we spent some time internally thinking that transfer was going to be when he was just rumored to go to MLS. We thought that was going to be uh, a solution for DC United at right back, but he's going uh, up to NYC instead. Uh, instead, um, they added Sa- uh, Saad Abdul Salam from Kansas City in a, a move that isn't, hasn't been talked about, but. Uh, in 2016, Abdul Salam was one of the best three or four right backs in MLS, and then couldn't get on the field last year because uh, Peter Vermes kept, uh, he stuck with Graham Zuzzi at right back instead. Um, but Abdul Salam definitely belongs in a starting lineup and is, is an upgrade for NYCFC. Um, they added a Norwegian forward, uh, Joe Inga Birgit. He's not going to replace David Villa, but um, he does give them uh, some improved depth when, you know, Villa being at the age that he is, you can't just say like, okay, David, you're going to play uh, 90 minutes every single game for an entire season again. Um, so I think they've, they've improved uh, depth wise. They kept uh Yango Herrera, which was a big thing, um, yeah, but they might be losing Jack Harrison. That's not final yet. He, but it right. sounds like he's going to England for a pretty True. substantial fee, but this is a team that had Tommy McNamara, Jonathan Lewis, um, uh, they added uh, Jesus Medina uh, in the midfield, which means maybe Maxi Morales plays as a wide forward instead. Um, they added a lot. Um, it's been it's weird that it's we're talking about NYCFC and it feels all it all feels under the radar, um, but it does. Um, and yeah, I think um, you know losing Frederick Briant to DC actually is kind of a, a significant thing for them, but um, maybe Timmerholm plays that plays there. They added a uh, uh, Cedric Hutunji, who I think is um, he's played for Benin, but he was a French like youth national team player up to the U twenty one level. 
So they've done a lot of it. They've had kind of the playoff team equivalent of DC United's offseason where they've done a lot of very solid, not necessarily spectacular moves, but a lot of very solid stuff that's going to make them better. So, um, yeah, I don't see them falling to earth this year at all. They are, of course, in a stronger position to focus yes. on the the littler things. Um, please bring in a striker, DC United, please. I. <laughs> uh, First place, the the treble winning Toronto FC. Uh, the Reds obviously had a, a great year last year. They're saying goodbye to uh, Benoit Sheiru, Armando Cooper, Stephen Betashore, uh Might be one of the low-key really big losses. Raheem Edwards as well. Tsubasa Endo, I know Jason, uh, Maryland player near and dear to your heart. Uh, coming in for them, a couple of homegrown guys. That's it so far. I would not be surprised to see them make a splash at some point uh, between now and the start of the year or even after the start of the year um, because they're Toronto FC and they have those kind of resources. Uh, Even if they don't, though, they were so good last year that they and they didn't lose any really, really key players um, as far as I can see Uh, that losing a right back can hurt. But I, I don't know that losing Beta Shore is going to be what breaks them. Yeah, uh, I mean, losing Beta Shore is definitely a negative, but um, they have Nicholas Hostler, uh, who was just fine in, filling in for Beta Shore when he was injured last year. Um, they are being linked pretty strongly to Gregory Vanderveel, who is a 29-year-old Dutch international. Um, so... And they didn't lose anyone else. You're you're right. I mean, their their midfield is still in place. Uh, Justin Morrow is still in place. Uh, Drew Moore was going to be a free agent, but they they got him to resign. They haven't even lost Clint Irwin as backup goalkeeper. Um, how? You know, they, yeah. It, somehow, I mean, or well, I'll tell you how. It's that they've really, really managed the whole structure of their roster from top to bottom. Uh, in a really impressive way, because normally if you've been as good as they've been the last three years or two years, um, you end up up against the cap and you have to let someone, you have to jettison someone. And for them to get it to the point where they only had to jettison a player that they're kind of built to survive that loss and also um, might even be upgrading, uh, certainly paying more at the position. um, That's a really spectacularly assembled team uh, in terms of the, the math behind the scenes, the structure behind what they're doing. Um, it just, it's really impressive that they just haven't had to lose anybody other than beta shore. It's uh, kind of wild. It's kind of unprecedented really when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the hope that the rest of the Eastern conference is going to have is that they are going to have to invest. You expect them to go all in on the champions league this year and and hope that they're distracted on that and trying to get back there in the uh, Voyagers Cup and let their league play slip a little bit so that there's room to take advantage of them from time to time and, and maybe take some points off them because they're so good. They're really good. They're a very good team. It's not great for the rest of us. That's it. That's the entire Eastern Conference. We made it in 34 and a half minutes. Um, that's it this week. Unless Ben or Jason has anything no. else they want to yell. Ben just wants Tur- to yell. No, 
<laughs> it sounds like a child. Someone's child is yelling. In the yeah, background. yeah, that's that's my child in the background. So we are going to get out of here so I can go help parent. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash filibuster. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Internet Archive, Google Play, the podcatcher of your choice. We should be there. And if we're not and you're listening to us anyway, thank you and uh, let us know where we're not so that we can fix that. Mostly, though, the single biggest thing you can do for us is tell a friend about the podcast. That's the best way to spread the word. Uh, For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we will talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Sign a striker. Sign a striker.